Welcome to Rise to the Top, a podcast from the Greater Houston Partnership that aims to amplify the voices of accomplished female leaders in the Houston region. In each episode, we feature compelling guests who will share their personal journey and discuss how their organization is making an impact here in Houston. I'm your host, Amy Cronus, Chair of the Partnership and Managing Director of Deloitte Houston. In our first episode of Rise to the Top, we're talking with Gretchen Watkins, President of Shell Oil Company, about her career in the energy sector, how the industry is evolving, her advice for young women just starting out, and much more. Gretchen was the partnership's Rise to the Top keynote speaker in March 2020, and we're honored to have her here with us today. Thanks, Amy. Great to be here with you. So let's get started. Who is Gretchen Watkins? Wife, mother, business leader? Tell us, Gretchen, what makes you you? Well, you named several of the most important ones, um, being a wife and a mother, I think are, uh, are definitely important. I am a, a mother of three teenagers. I'm about to actually take my oldest off to university soon, which is um, tearing me up a little bit, but, uh, but also part of uh, her growing up. And, uh, and then I have two teenagers also that will be left at home. So my, my home is very active. I have a wonderful husband who uh, takes care of me and my three kids in an amazing way and does many, many other things in the community. And I'm also a a leader here at Shell um, and joined Shell about three and a half years ago, Um, moved to Houston at that same time. This is the second time we've lived in Houston, Uh, but I've been really lucky, Amy. I've, I've lived and worked in six different countries around the world. My kids were born in two in Canada, one in the Netherlands. And uh, we also lived in Vietnam and in London. And so uh, we've, we've had a, and Copenhagen, Denmark just before this. And so we've had a, an amazing life and uh, a very global life, but also I, I feel very, very lucky and uh, grateful for having had all of those experiences. Wow. What, what an interesting journey. And we're thrilled you're back in Houston, of course. Speaking of being a business leader, share with us a brief overview of your career along those all those different geography locations. You know, oil and gas hasn't traditionally been a sector where women have reached the upper echelons. Can you talk about what interested you in energy and the trajectory that got you to your position today at Shell? Yeah, so I I actually studied mechanical engineering at school and I graduated from Penn State University and I had spent about three summers working as an intern at General Electric, which is where my father spent his whole career. And the last summer before I graduated, I got a call from Amico saying, hey, we're hiring summer engineers. Would you like to come interview? It's for a job down in Houston, Texas. Um, So I grew up in Ohio. I had never been to Texas. And so I went and interviewed. I got the job. So I came down here to Houston 32 years ago uh, and, and spent a summer here and had an amazing experience. It was completely different from the summer internships I had had before, not to say anything bad about General Electric, but I was handed a stack of well logs and told, you know, here's your project and here are people that can help you. Um, But at the end of the summer, come back and recommend, uh, you know, recommend what we should do here. And I did that. And about two months later, my boss from Amico called me. I was back at Penn State and said, I just wanted you to know about half of those well workovers that you had recommended investments we've just built into our budget for next year. And I thought, you know, that feels really good. I'd like to work there. So I did. I went and worked at Amico in New Orleans. I was a facilities engineer, which means I spent a lot of time on offshore platforms, understanding how 
the equipment worked and, and sizing and, and actually designing some of the equipment and some of the processing facilities out there and, and just absolutely fell in love with the technical challenges that are part of our industry. And then went on from there to work in, in trading and marketing and, and really then fell in love with the industry as such a global industry and one that brings brings energy to people around the world. And so it's really a, an industry that in, that I think in many, many ways has, has done great things for the world. Um, and so that's what's really made me stick around is, is just uh, the fact that I've been able to work in so many different areas of, uh, of the business, but also in so many different places. And I would say, yeah, when I joined, I you know, there were 14% women in my mechanical engineering graduating class. And I think probably even about the same amount in terms of engineers that Amico was recruiting. But Amico was one of the first companies to really focus on diversity and inclusion. And I was part of their first diversity action committee, the DAC, my first acronym. Um, and, uh, and, and actually it was a play, it was a time in my life where I learned a lot about what it means to be a woman in a male dominated industry. And since then I have actually sought out women as mentors for myself and now very much spend a good amount of my time being mentors for others, because I think role models are so critical to women in our industry, probably women in many industries. Um, but if someone comes into a company and can't see someone that looks like them, and it goes for gender, it goes for race, it, it, it's really difficult to kind of envision yourself progressing into that space. And so I, I do think that's something that many people that are, you know, are not sort of equally represented in a company, I think that's an obstacle that people have to overcome. And so those of us that can help with that, I think we, we need to. And so I very much see that as part of my role. That's great. Very, very affirming for another fellow Ohioan who came to Texas and fell, fell in love and, and, and has seen it change wonderfully. So, you know, of course, the fundamentals of the energy business itself are changing as the world recognizes the need to transition to a low carbon energy future. And Houston's uniquely positioned to lead that, those efforts thanks to our knowledge base and energy infrastructure. You know, Shell has long been engaged in what we term new energy or energy 2.0. How, how's your company today leading the way toward a low carbon future? Well, this is a huge part of, of Shell's overall strategy. Our strategy is called Power and Progress. And we very much feel like we not only need to participate in that, but we need to lead in that, uh, that energy transition that's happening right now. It's not something that's, that's going to start in the future. It's happening as we speak. And we've got a couple of things going in that arena. I think first and foremost, we've set a goal for ourselves, as have many companies and countries around the world, to be a net zero company by 2050. And that's not just the emissions that we emit as a company in, in manufacturing you know, chemicals or, or whatever we might be doing. It's also what we call scope three emissions. And that is emissions that are generated by our customers. And so if I go fill up my car at the gas station, at the Shell gas station, and I drive away, the emissions that my car is leaving behind are scope three emissions. And Shell, we're, we're including those, we're taking accountability for those. Uh, and therefore, what we are doing is very much working closely with our customers. And so um, we have teams of people that are basically organized around our customer groups, whether that be a city like Houston, where we've recently signed a contract to provide electric charging for the, the city fleet of Houston, 
or whether that is airlines, um, where we're working with United Airlines on biofuels, or whether that's heavy transport trucks that you know deliver products around the country, or even marine transport. And, and a lot of those sectors are very difficult to decarbonize, but we believe working with customers will allow us to accelerate the actual the development of low and no carbon fuels, but also the demand for them. And, uh, and so that's a, a really important part of, of what we're doing. We are also the second largest power trading group in North America, and about a third of the power that we sell, both to companies and to, and to end users like me and you, is actually renewable power. And so we have made investments in renewable power We've bought a solar company. We've actually got two offshore licenses in Massachusetts and New Jersey, where we're going to build offshore wind farms, which technically aren't too different than offshore oil and gas platforms that we have in the Gulf of Mexico. And so we see a lot of reasons why not only we want to be involved, but we want to be leading uh, the energy transition. Wow. Oh, a wide range of really positive things that you're doing to, to be part of our low carbon future. So. All very interesting to hear. You know, Gretchen, refocusing on women in leadership positions, what what do you want to say to peers who are middle to upper management about how to bring up the next generation of female leaders? What can they do to ensure the success of the young women under them or even those outside of their profession? You mentioned, so you're already paying it forward. What, What would you say to your peers too? Yeah, I think that there's more than just mentorship, which I mentioned earlier. I actually think there's something called sponsorship uh, which means when when the doors are closed and you're having conversations about who's going to get the next job, you're actually, as a woman, advocating for women or as a person of color advocating for people of color or as a woman advocate, advocating for people of color. I think m- mentoring is great and I'm a huge, huge advocate for it. I also think sponsorship is a, is a big piece of that too, which really means that you're not only coaching um, and advising, but you're also standing for that person. And so... I would say uh, to women that are coming into my industry right now, which is about, I think right now, 22% women. So still, we haven't made a ton of progress in the 31 years I've been in this industry. I would say, you know, find someone that can not only be your mentor, but they can also be your sponsor. And for people that have been in the industry for 10 or more years, find some people you want to sponsor. Um, and figure out what that looks like and actually be ready to, to stand up for some people. Because oftentimes, I think erroneously, people see it as a risk to put a woman in a job where there hasn't been a woman or a risk to put a person of color in a job where there hasn't been one before. Um, and we need to be able to look beyond the risk and say, it's not a risk. It's actually just something we haven't done before. <laughs> um, and uh, and I think sponsorship's a big part of that. Excellent. You know, you know once... You, people get into these positions or new challenges, what can they do to overcome barriers? And especially given the onset of the COVID pandemic, how, how does professional development look different? And what advice would you give around you know, the additional barrier that is? Yeah, I, I don't know about you, but I'm just about done with this pandemic. <laughs> Although it's not done with us, unfortunately. I think COVID has been, has really been hard because it has prevented us from seeing each other face to face. And consequently, a lot of those connections that happen where you do develop relationships that might develop into a mentorship or a sponsorship, they're not happening naturally the way they used to. And so I would encourage people to look for ways of getting involved that maybe they wouldn't 
have done before. And so, you know, my involvement, for example, in the Greater Houston Partnership has been great. And even though it's been almost entirely virtual for the last 18 months, um, you know, I've met some great people and, and I've learned a lot from those great people. My advice would be put yourself out there a little bit, you know, find some opportunities to uh, get involved in the community and, and see if you can, you know, professionally develop yourself in ways that maybe aren't the traditional ways of doing that. Right. So, so really, really be assertive in new ways and put yourself out there. Great, great advice. Exactly. You know, sh- shifting, you know, similarly, you mentioned your, your virtual work. Um, and it's been a topic that's very important to you, to me, and the Greater Houston Partnership. You're co-chairing the Partnership's Racial Equity Committee alongside Dr. Ruth Simmons of Prairie View A&M University. And the goal of the committee and the One Houston Together effort it leads to is to address systemic racism and issues around diversity, equity, and inclusion through the business community. So, Gretchen, talk to us about why this is personally important to you. And you, you have given a great deal of time and talent to this. Thanks, Amy. It's been it's been a wonderful, it's been a really fulfilling experience for me. I've been very passionate and active in the area of diversity and inclusion for, for many years. I, I mentioned earlier that I was part of Amico's Diversity Action Committee, uh, you know, 31 years ago. And I have since then really spent a lot of time, particularly in the area of gender equity, you know, advocating for um, and engaging with people on how to make the workplace more equitable from a gender perspective. The George Floyd murder last year really hit me and opened my eyes to, you know, what's been happening in the world around particularly race. And I decided at that moment, I really wanted to get more involved in that and and not just get involved, but I really wanted to understand it better. And so I started a conversation within Shell that online, because we were all working at home. And before I knew it, over a thousand people had commented on how this had hit them, how thankful they were that they could have this open dialogue, how much they wished we could talk more about this in the office. And I realized that it was it was a calling that we needed to respond to as leaders. And so myself and my my colleagues at Shell, we've really made this a mission of ours here in this country. And Shell globally is doing this too. But we've really focused in on three key areas, you know, one being diversity or representation. Um, And in fact, we just recently shared a new level of transparency around data, around how people are being promoted, people of color. And and it's um, it's starting, again, a much deeper conversation than we've ever been able to have before. And so numbers are great, but numbers really are an indicator of where things are working and where things aren't. And so we're using that as, as as the place to start looking for where we can be better the other thing we've spent a lot of time on, and it's a little bit less easy to measure, is just inclusion. But it's so related, right? Do people feel like they can bring them whole, their whole selves to work? Do people feel like they can have open conversations about what it's like to be a, a, a Black person that works at Shell in Houston or what it's like to be um, an Asian American that works at Shell in, in uh, New Orleans? And so we've made that a big part of that. Uh, also, and then the last one is really how do we, how do we engage in the communities in which we work? And that's where my work with the partnership on the Racial Equity Committee has been, you know, really important to me because I've been able to both share what we're doing and learning in Shell, but I've also learned so much from people like Ruth Simmons, as you say, but also the whole committee really in how 
we can take steps together to understand how we make the most diverse city in the country, Houston, you know, even better. And how do we leverage that diversity in a way that that makes Houston, you know, a great place to live, a great place to locate. And so that's that has been just a, a tremendously fulfilling piece of work that I've thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed both the piece with the partnership as well as inside of Shell. So terrific to hear. And sincere thanks for what you and Dr. Simmons and the whole committee are doing. It, it's very important work to our community. So thank you. So now for what I expect will be a listener favorite. Let's move into the lightning round here. We want to get to know Gretchen Houston, what she enjoys most about this great city. So these are just quick answers, Gretchen, just fire away. Favorite restaurant? So my husband and I really love Hugo's. We never have a bad meal there, but I also am a huge fan of BCM. Favorite place to online? I love the Museum of Fine Arts, and I just was there last weekend with my family, and we crawled through this amazing Ernesto Neto sculpture installation thing, and it was just super cool. But it's a great museum. I love going there. That is a lot of fun. Place you'd love to take out-of-town guests? Out for Tex-Mex. Power lunch hotspot? The last 18 months, it's been my kitchen. What makes Houston a great place to live? The diversity of the city, both the diversity of the people, but also the diversity of things to do here. What does Houston need more of? Walkable neighborhoods. When you think about Houston's overall trajectory as a city, what word comes to mind? I think it's energy, and I think it's leading the energy transition. Excellent. Gretchen, I want to thank you again for sharing so much with us today. I hope your story and your perspective helps others. I've so greatly enjoyed it. Thanks, Amy. It's been a lot of fun. Thanks. And that's it for this episode of Rise to the Top. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. And you can do so via your favorite podcasting platform or by visiting the podcast page at houston.org. You'll also find links there to recent news updates and learn how you can get more involved in the work of the partnership to make a difference in the Houston region. So thank you again for listening to Rise to the Top.